What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 37 of the Go Figure Podcast. Hi, we did it. It's been a while. This is our second podcast this week. I'm very proud of us. It's been difficult with uh, vacations and so many different things going on, but uh, we made it. We made it to our second uh, podcast, so great job. We did. Thank you. Jillian, Jillian, you're, you're feeling healthy, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. There's been illness and allergy going around the mountains of Utah here, and so it's good to see that Jillian is doing well. Well, it's, uh, it's 2023, not even halfway through, but it seems like uh, a lot of the news stories are all about, you know, is Biden really going to run again, and then who are the Republicans picking, and who's going to be the next president? It seems like that's always a big deal. What, what are you seeing in the news there, Ty? Yeah, I mean, obviously, DeSantis with the big announcement yesterday was yeah. fun, and uh I, I'm seeing a lot of come on America is is Trump Biden 2.0 really the the best we can do and it's no um, it, no it's not it, the best we can do not. we can do better damn it but scary enough it's looking like it's gonna happen it's very likely which is very unfortunate it's time that the 80 and you know 76 77 year old uh, folks stop making the decisions for our country because when you're that old you kind of make decisions that only benefit the very old people and we've seen that a lot the last three years so we thought it would be interesting to take a look at it if you're in the business funding space if you are a small business owner if you're trying to build something take care of your family how exactly does POTUS, the President of the United States, really affect you, your business, business funding. And we did some research. We asked our good friend uh, ChatGPT and a few other uh, AI tools out there to unpack what's out there, what are the the facts regarding this. And it's interesting. It actually, there's, uh, I was surprised, you know, there is a pretty good, decent impact and a little bit bigger than you would think. Of course, it doesn't change your responsibility as an entrepreneur, but interesting. We'll take a look at that. That's going to be topic number one. What's our next topic, Tyler? Yeah, the mindset piece. We are going to dive into what are the qualities of champions? That should be good. And that's interesting. Like Even if you're an entrepreneur and you're not necessarily a sports guy or an athlete or you really don't follow, there are so many different uh, similarities that come between looking at a champion like a Tom Brady and how he approaches things uh, for 21 years or however long it was as the top NFL quarterback, maybe the GOAT of all time we were just talking about last episode, or an Elon Musk who may be the GOAT of entrepreneurs, especially right now, there are a lot of similarities in how they run their lives, their mindset, and so it'll be interesting to unpack that. Our third topic, if we get to it, we may or we may not, is our mastery topic, same one we had last time, a housing bust for thousands of small-time investors regarding apartment buildings, which you know uh, were invested in and, and seems like one of the safest, best investments of the last decade, but an interesting story in the Wall Street Journal we'll take a look at. And then uh, we got to get our second, uh, our second piece of the NFL goats out there, so talk to us about that. Yeah, last episode we talked about the greatest of all time for offensive positions, kind of compared those to, and these are people that are retired, talked about are there current NFL players who will replace them as goats when they do retire. Um, and, and this episode we're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball now. And can't leave out our kickers, Leo. We're, we're That's gonna... right. The special teams is special <laughs> yeah, we'll and therefore the a reason. So good stuff, good topics. 
Buckle up, guys. Welcome to the Go Figure Podcast, created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. Let's dig in and jump into topic number one. So how does POTUS affect your business? This is from our good friends at ChatGPT, OpenAI. Thanks, Sam Altman. Says the president of the United States can have a significant impact on... Small business. Well, that's who we serve. We love serving small businesses. And so here's how it can have an impact. Number one, economic policies. Uh, The POTUS has the power to shape economic policies that can impact things. Regulatory environment, right? If you're a small business owner and there's a lot of red tape you have to jump through with the federal government and your local government, then that can make it very difficult for you to do business and also very expensive. We're starting to see more and more regulation being implemented uh, in small business funding. So that's uh, having an impact. Access to capital, there it is. Access to business funding, that's a big one. Healthcare policies is another. There's those are pretty expensive costs. We've yeah. I, I think we've seen our healthcare insurance uh, cost almost double uh, in just the last few months. So that that's an impact, right? A lot of our employees turned twenty six. It's been dang. Those kids are getting too old now. Yeah, They're yeah. getting more expensive. <laughs> They're getting off of mom and dad's insurance. <laughs> so that's a cost. We've got infrastructure investment, trade policies, you know, around the world, and then advocacy and support. So let's kind of just uh, unpack these one by one. So economic policies, you know, what do we what do you think about when you think about economic policies that the Congress, Senate, especially the president, can implement to help or hurt business? Yeah, I think I mean the corporate tax rate was obviously one that That's that we one. have seen a, a change in recently, and obviously it means more money coming out of our pockets, which means less money going into our employees' pockets, and. You know, I, I hate to see it. I, I definitely prefer a president that allows more money to stay with business owners in the economy and trust that they're going to do the right thing and get it out to more people. But uh, we've definitely seen a change in, in corporate tax rates. No question about it. President Trump did cut the corporate tax rate. And President Biden, of course, and his team have uh, taken actions to increase that tax rate. So that's that's something that can impact things. Uh, regulatory environments, another, if you have a lot of red tape and, a, and you have to get licensed in every single state and you have to jump through all these hoops, then as a small business owner, that can be very difficult for you to grow and expand. You want to grow and expand. And especially, I feel like this is maybe more impactful based on a state-by-state basis and less impactful by, by the federal government. For example, if you want to do business in California, I mean, there are no limits to how many different hoops you have to jump through. Same with the state of New York. But if you're doing business in Utah or Florida or Texas, typically it's going to be a little bit easier, less red tape, less regulation uh, to grow your business, get it established in the states. And if you're more and more kind of an online uh, you know, new new type business that's operating across all fifty states, then that will impact you for sure. What are your What are your thoughts on regulatory environment? Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that has as much to do with the president as it does you know, local local governments and whatnot. My immediate thought was same thing: California, New York, cost of even getting business licenses just oh gets my goodness 
really, really tricky. Um, yeah, I, I think we're probably going to get to this one, but you, I think a lot when I, when you first put this up, my immediate thought went to like the solar industry because we have yeah. a ton of, of small businesses here in Utah that they sell solar, and a lot of that has to do with the the current president and you know how environmentally friendly we're going to be, even though. Who knows what it costs to actually get rid of those panels? That's the big debate. But no question. So there, for a lot of years, and I think this is still going on, there's subsidies. There's these tax benefits. I know when I bought an electric car and got solar, and you've got solar on one of your properties, there's this little tax benefit that really does make a nice uh, difference yeah. for your taxes at the end of the day. So they're, they're incentivizing you to make things more green, to make things more environmentally friendly, which which is fine. And then there's there's also the other aspect. Well, it's it's great to have solar, but it's still generating power off of the grid. And if your grid is generating power from coal plants, then you know it kind of negates that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was so. thinking about that because my my local it was a city thing where they were giving you three hundred dollars to trade in your gas powered lawnmower for a an electric, oh, an electric lawnmower. But Very I'm cool. like I can only imagine how much power it's taking to charge up these two bulky batteries versus the the gallon of gas I was going through every month of the summer. I, I almost wonder if it is that. It, it ends up not paying as big a dividend as, as you would think, and there's a lot of different research out there, too, even as much as you know, I love Elon Musk and, and want to support Tesla. At the end of the day, all of that uh, extra power has to come from somewhere, and most of the time it's coming from power companies that are generating the power from coal and other um, even natural gas, which I feel like is 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 way cleaner than everything, certainly way cleaner than coal, right? But it's been getting a, a negative, uh, uh, you know, negative connotation from the media and from others out there. And so, at the end of the day, is that electric vehicle and everything going electric? Is it actually improving the planet? Not as much as you would think, especially because you have to mine and get cobalt and lithium. And to mine cobalt and lithium in places like Africa and Chile and China, it's actually very negative impact-wise to the environment. So this is where I always go full circle and say at the end of the day, I just don't see how we're ever going to, quote-unquote, save the planet unless we go to a full nuclear energy impact and people are going to just have to get on board and there's going to be extra security and you have to get rid of the waste but i just don't see any other way for it right unless nuclear fusion uh comes to fruition which they've been talking about for 50 years so i'm not sure that's happening anytime soon yeah i agree not in our lifetime at least all right so business funding this is a big deal right yeah you, you think about the policies that President Biden has implemented in the last two years, and he did a lot of government spending, which caused inflation, and then that inflation led to higher interest rates. And so if you're a small business owner, business owner, we've seen higher interest rates. Now, we're really good at still finding some 0% interest rates for you know 18 to 20 months for a small business owner. So if that's you, that's something you know that we, that's still out there that you can still take advantage of. But if you're a, you know, a business owner trying to get even an SBA loan, like the rates have gone up quite a bit there, uh, I feel like it's less impactful for small business, more impactful for consumers. So if you're in a business like mortgages, real estate, solar, home improvement, cars, auto dealers, all of those types of service businesses are really connected up to interest rates. And yeah. so when interest rates went from whatever half a percent uh, from the Fed up to 5%, I mean, that's a big, big difference. And now you were just telling me, what are mortgage rates at right now? Like six and a half percent. Yeah. Which is, is insane. I, I, 
because the house prices, especially here in Utah, the house prices really aren't coming down, but rates are at six and a half. I don't, I don't know how anyone's buying a house right now. Well, and to that point, it seems like the numbers are showing that less and less people are buying a house. They're on the sidelines. If you own a house and you got one of those lower interest rates during the low interest rate years, you're really not incentivized to move because you're going to move to the same house and it's going to cost even more. And so it just doesn't make sense to even look at moving for a lot of people. And then it makes it more complicated too. If you're a real estate investor like you and I are, now we're looking at seven and a half percent interest rates. And now it's like I'm losing money to buy that property and rent it out or even apartment buildings is much more expensive now because of the high interest rates. So POTUS has a big impact on those interest rates for sure. Yeah, what, what scares me, Leo, is the, these people, and I, I know and have friends that are tied to this, these people that didn't get fixed rates. They've got oh my, yes. these variable yes. rates, and, and all of a sudden they, they can't afford their homes anymore. They can't afford their investment properties anymore, and it's, it's a very, very scary thing to, to be dealing with right now. Exactly right. And in fact, uh, one of these articles here, and and maybe we don't get to, I'll just talk about it briefly. There's a gentleman in Texas, and there were a lot of different groups that raised capital and money for investors to put money into apartment buildings. So instead of you having to come up with two or three million dollars for the down payment to buy, you know, 300 units of apartments in Texas, Utah, North Carolina, wherever you're buying them at, you could put your money in this pool in what's called a syndicate and buy these apartment buildings. And you and I did that with you know, some apartments in Texas. And at the same time, if those syndicates decided, well, we want to make sure we have great cash flow, interest rates are going to stay low forever. And they took a variable rate, which a lot of these groups did. And this particular group had like three, 4,000 apartment units, and they got them at variable interest rates. And then when rates went up, now they couldn't make the payments anymore. Yeah. So they went from being profitable to now I get my rent payments and I actually can't afford the mortgage and all of the upkeep and the property managers. And then that dude just defaulted on 3,000 in apartment units, 3,000 apartment units for hundreds of millions of dollars. And those investors lost tens of millions of dollars of capital, their sa- lifetime savings, a lot of them that put into those. So that's exactly right. You have to really do the math and you have to always plan for the unexpected because it will happen. Yeah, exactly. I I mean, especially back then when you were doing that, it, the rate's been so low for so long. Everyone thought, oh, it's it's fine. It's no big deal. We'll be out of this deal before things turn. And sure enough, I, I think it's a little bit better to pay a little bit more and get that fixed rate because if you're doing your math right and you're profitable, then go with the fix. You, you know it's never going to change. And if the property doesn't work unless you can take a variable, then you don't buy it and you stay patient till the right property. So POTUS can have an impact, but after POTUS is selected, either way, how much time are you going to spend with that? It still doesn't really determine your success, and many entrepreneurs have been successful regardless of who the president is, and that's how you have to look at it, control what you can control as a business owner. All right, topic number two, what are the qualities of champion athletes? And I think that absolutely translate in translates into being a successful small business owner or entrepreneur. If you want to be a successful business owner or entrepreneur, the qualities and attributes that champion athletes have will nine times out of 10 translate into success with business. So number one, they talk about composure, poise, and presence. Who do you think about in terms of a champion athlete when you think of composure, poise, and presence? Tom Brady. Right? No doubt. I mean, you think about that Super Bowl against Atlanta, and if you guys saw the 80 for Brady, 
my wife was watching it uh, on the airplane when we were flying to Orlando, and I just I was watching it. it was just kind of a funny movie. Even just watching without the audio was funny. But I mean, when you're down twenty eight to three in the Super Bowl and you've worked the entire year to get there, it's pretty easy to get down on yourself. And every other person in that uh, position in every Super Bowl did and never came back. But Tom was calm. He was poised. He focused on the solutions. Brought the team together and. The most amazing comeback I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. And it, what's crazy is you go back and look at clips, and his face on the sideline never changes. Like it's it's that stone cold, holy crap, this guy's actually going to win this game face the whole time. And I love that guy. I miss him. Oh, Same man. with Michael. Amazing. Though. Same with oh, Michael. Michael. You think of oh, him yeah. when he's about to go oh, take yeah. a game winning shot. He's got that look like we're about to win this game. In the zone. Yeah. Tim Grover calls it in the zone. All right, number 2, confidence in self. Champions believe in their capabilities. They're confident. They don't ever believe that they're out of a game, out of a series, out of a season. They always believe that they can come back. And that type of unreasonably optimistic belief is something that you see in champions. Yeah, as long as it doesn't go too far. <laughs> yeah. Now, when it goes so far that it's like beyond reality, then that can be become problematic, which yep. also at times can happen. Like a guy who actually probably should retire and didn't still thinks their skills are up there and like, no, bro, your skills have deteriorated. It's probably time to move on. And so there's there's that issue too. Uh, eternal hope, same thing, I think. Uh, pacing, skills. You know the, what I think about pacing? I think about... Um, What's uh what's the uh the Argentine Messi? I think a Messi yeah. in the World Cup where he really focused on saving his energy up for the right spots, and then the right spots turned into two massive goals and a World Cup win. But you didn't see him out there, you know, giving 110% on every play. He was just very focused and smart where he was going to implement his skill set and take advantage where he could and then kind of wait for the next opportunity. So pacing skills, any anything uh, anyone you think of with that? Yeah, you see that a lot in the NBA, too. Like, coaches, I think yeah. the best coaches out there, like an Eric Spolster, know exactly what to what limit their stars can be pushed to and when to rest them and when not, and strategically having them sit out even when the players are so upset because they want to stay in that spotlight. So yeah. I, I see, you know, the greatest coaches of all time, all time being really, really good at that. Control factor awareness, that's huge. And this is this is true as if you're a small business owner, an entrepreneur. Things can go bad, and there are th some things that you can't control, and then you spend all this time getting stressed out about all these things you can't control instead of focusing, laser-focused on the things that you can control, which I believe is a, it, it's a quality, it's a principle that champions have, and great entrepreneurs have it as well. They focus on what they can control. All right, then we've got uh, self-awareness and the ability to learn. Self-awareness, knowing what you're good at, the ability to learn. They're constantly learning. This Brady. is another Tom Brady yes. one. Like that, This guy has written a book on his self-awareness and, and what he does for his body and for his mind, right? His, his crazy diet. They've created these vibrating muscle rollers that are, oh, yeah. are just for Tom Brady. Like self-awareness, the, the greatest athletes out there are so in tune with their body and their mind and, and how to take care of them and how to treat them. And so, again, it, it keeps coming back to Tom or Michael and his workout routines, like the, the greatest 
of all time do that. You're looking for an edge. Where can I get an edge? Where can I learn something that the competition doesn't know about? And pliability was, was one of those things that Tom Brady used. And still, most people don't know what it's all about. But basically, it's a form of massage. And if you have this vibrating roller, and he had a guy who would uh, basically work on his muscles and teach them how to react in stressful situations. And that's why he was able to play at a high level up until age 45. And I can tell you, if I don't use one of Tom Brady's pliability rollers on a daily basis, my ankles will be tight, my my legs will be messed up. And so it's really, really powerful. And just another example of getting that extra edge. We've got coachability is important, always improving, around great coaches, strong work ethic. This is a given. But a lot of people lie to themselves about the strong work ethic. How do you feel like they, they do that? And why do they do that? Why is it so hard to be real about your work ethic? I think sometimes you see with like leaders in the business field or professional athletes, they feel like they've reached that point. I've put in enough time. I've, I've worked on my self-awareness. I've, I've been coachable. I, I know all I can know. And now it's just time to go perform. And, and you see them fall off, right? You look at the people who started and finished as the greatest of all time, the Tom Brady's, the Michael Jordan's, they were doing these 10 things to the very end. Whereas you look at someone like a Tiger Woods, who is probably the greatest golfer, eh, probably Jack, but you, you look at Tiger had the hottest streak ever was the, was on track to shatter every record. The greatest golfer of all time lost track with his work ethic, lost track with his mental awareness, with his physical awareness. And he had gained the edge by being one of the first golfers to start working out and, and get in shape. And, and he let these things, things lapse and he starts working less. He starts getting distracted and all of a sudden he's having drug problems and alcohol problems and getting divorced and, and his career is a mess. And it's awesome to see him come back. He did come back. He got that master's win, but outside of that, he hasn't really done a darn thing. So it's, it's understanding you've never actually made it right. You, you this is something you work with and work on forever. It's one of those things, too, where people say, oh, everybody seems to have this mindset. You see this popular in, on Instagram, this idea of I'm just going to, I'm, when I finally make it, and, and this idea I'm going to retire on the beach. And the reality of the the reality of the situation is most of us celebrate too early. We think we've arrived. We think we've accomplished it. We think that we've become a champion, or maybe you did become a champion. You did something really good. You had a great year. And then the next year you take your foot off of the, the, off the pedal. You take a significant amount of time off. You're not focused. Your work ethic goes down. Your leadership goes down. Your team sees your lack of focus and effort and everything. And a year later, you're like, wow, my business is at 70% of what it was last year. I wonder what happened. Well, you took your foot off the, the pedal and everything changed. You have to keep pushing. And if you have this idea that you're just going to retire on a beach someday, most people that do retire end up dying very quickly within five years of retirement. And it gets very boring thinking that you're going to do that. And so becoming a champion is, and you look at the way Tom Brady played year after year after year, some guys get that one Super Bowl and then they kind of, they kind of relax, but he kept on pushing and that's what great leaders do. And they have that work ethic and that commitment. Now, right, guys. I think that's yeah. the biggest thing. Number 10 there, Leo is, is commitment. Yes. Like champions do what they say they are going to do. Despite all the haters, the people that don't believe them, champions do exactly what they say they're going to do. And you see that time in and time out. And that's where, you know, that that's our biggest principle we've got on the wall. We've got it for everyone on their own little cards. Do what you say you're going to do. 
But because it starts with the little things. If you say, I'm going to take my dogs on a walk, you better take your dogs on a walk because it starts there. You build habits. Being committed to something absolutely is a habit. And so that's probably the biggest thing. Number 10, commitment is what I see in, in champions. And you're doing the extra thing. You're not just going to the regular practices. You're the first one there, last one to leave grade. Everybody works hard in practice probably. But you're doing the extra stuff outside of practice. You're doing the extra film study, the extra work. If you're a small business owner, an entrepreneur, you're not just worried about your business and working on it during regular business hours. On the weekends, you're reading the books. You're listening to the podcast. You're doing the extra research and homework about your business, about your craft, and you're continuously improving it. You're improving your leadership. You're out strategizing. At some point, you, you've got the work ethic, but you've got to keep on out improving. You've got to keep on strategizing. And if you add the improvements and the strategies to the work ethic, then that's how you keep on getting better, like a Tom Brady, like a Michael Jordan, and that only comes with commitment. Yep. All right, guys. Well, we're down down to the wire again here. So I think we'll probably, we did talk about the housing one, so we're good there. Let's move on to the goats at every defensive position. Unpack this tie. What are the, what position do you want to start with? All right, let's start off with, with the edge. Outside linebackers, defensive ends, essentially edge rushers. Right? So, so important. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're it's some so of the important. highest paid players in the NFL. That's, Very that's, important. Yeah. And ESPN put this out there. Uh, Lawrence Taylor. LT, I did. Did you ever watch him? Probably highlights. I, I, I think he was done by the time you were born. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. He he retired in 1993. I was born 92. Yeah. So I, I do not remember yeah. him. But um, let's see how many he got. 40 of 50 votes. That that is a landslide victory. Uh, Reggie White, Bruce Smith, JJ Watt. Awesome, but no, I I don't think anyone's touching that. I. Current NFL players that come to mind, just to throw names out there, I do not think they will go down as the greatest of all time. But Vaughn Miller obviously has had quite the career. Um, maybe one of these Boses. They still have a lot of time Boses to play. Boses are tough. Boses are tough. Really good early careers, but uh, I don't think so. What, what about you? Any? I mean, the, the Watt brothers are great, but they're not edge rushers. They're D tackles, right? So yeah, J, JJ moved around a lot, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I uh, still, I, I don't think anyone's. So I think John Madden really explained it very well. And before you had the, actually the Madden video games, there were there were there was Techno Bowl and Super Bowl. You know, Nintendo uh, based uh, system games in the '80s and the early '90s. And Lawrence Taylor was so unstoppable in that Super Bowl game because. Nobody could stop him. He could just run through people, and he would just kill the quarterback. And so what happened was before Lawrence Taylor, there had never been a defensive player who could actually change the entire outcome of a game. Before that time, you had good defensive players. They could make a play here and there, a pick, a sack. But this guy was so dominant that he would go smash the quarterback, take the ball, go score a touchdown, and he could do and nobody could stop him. You would double team him, he'd still get by you. His speed, I think he was running like a four five forty, and this is in the eighties before people really worked out. He was incredibly strong. 
He could. Uh, he was only. He was maybe two fifty, two sixty. Uh, but the dude could take on a three hundred twenty-five uh, pound left tackle, throw him any which way, and he was just so quick and so strong. And then he had all of the the hand skills. Yeah. You know, the quarterback could uh, try and throw a little swing pass out to the running back. He'd go stab it with his right hand and go for a touchdown. And before that, you'd never seen that. You'd yeah. never seen a guy with that type of ability, speed, quickness, and hand skills who could literally change a game. And then you look at the years that the Giants won Super Bowls, I think it was um, 86 or 87 and and 91 or 2, something like that. And, and both years, I mean, he was just unstoppable. That is pretty insane. Nine interceptions for a defensive end. That's, yeah. yeah. That's not very common. Um, so is he the real LT or is that LaDainian Tomlinson? He's, he's the original. All right. He's the original two Super Bowls. And the Giants wouldn't have even even got gotten to the Super Bowl without him. I mean that that last time they won, and actually both times. I mean their defense was just so good, and um, and that boy that last time they won, they Joe Montana got injured because of LT the way he was playing, and you probably remember that Joe Theismann video where he gets his leg broken that was LT, and he actually felt really bad about it. But I mean he was just that strong and powerful that he would just. He would just murder quarterbacks and running backs. Nobody could stop him. But he could well, actually score. That's what made him dangerous. And here's what's interesting. Defensive tackle, You, uh, it's someone that was frequently compared to LT throughout his career because, again, yeah. a very – I don't want to say undersized because his he made up for it in his strength and his quickness. But from a defensive tackle standpoint – Definitely not one of the the bigger guys out there, but uh, you older fans may not like this. I think everyone thinks, oh, mean Joe Green, but no. Aaron Donald would, would run laps around him. Aaron Donald is the best defensive tackle of all time. Um, is it common that there is an LB Clay Matthews paper? No, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, Clay, Clay, Clay had a nice run there, and he was an incredible, incredible athlete, a great outside linebacker. Good hand skills, but the longevity and the ability to impact a game for more than maybe two or three years. Yeah, yeah. I I would put Clay Matthews on a he's a good one, maybe one or two steps behind Devon Miller, um, just because. Yeah, he he had a big drop off. I he started to get the doubles and and didn't continue to do what he needed to do. But great player, maybe comparable to a Cam Wake. Yeah, um, I mean Aaron Donald's just an unstoppable force, and it's interesting because it helps to be tall. Yeah, because it gives you more leverage, especially if you have longer arms. And I feel like he—I don't know if he has long arms, but he's not tall. So it seems like his job as a D tackle would be more difficult, and yet he's unstoppable. What he's mastered is this ability of creating space with his punch. He's got like—he—he he has a ridiculous bench press and his speed, his hands, the way he gets from here to here, creates separation yeah. and spins. Like you—you you just can't block him. It's almost like forget about running up the middle when when Aaron Donald Donald is there, but uh, but he would still get pressure. He still oh, gets pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. He's in the backfield all day long. Absolutely. You look at that: ninety eight sacks, four hundred forty tackles, twenty three forced fumbles. Look at um, that: twenty three got his fumbles. Super Bowl. So. Wow. Yeah, that one that one was easy for me. Yeah, that's an easy um, linebacker. Another one. My notes on this one say <laughs> nope. That's all it says. Is there any current player that, that's a better linebacker than who we've got on this list? And the answer is no. Um, you could probably guess, Leo, give us our linebacker. Our man, Ray Lewis. Absolutely. Unstoppable guy. Two Super Bowl rings, a Super Bowl MVP. 
And one of the greatest leaders I think that we've ever seen. And also a guy who could focus in, deal with all sorts of adversity, outside uh, disturbances, and he keeps everybody focused on the job at hand, on the target, on the goal that you're going towards. Amazing linebacker Ray Lewis. We may never, it's likely we'll never see another guy like Ray Lewis. Exactly. The way he was a leader on the field, he made the people around him better. I think a lot of Terrell Suggs' success has to do directly with Ray Lewis. Oh, 100%. Because you're double teaming Ray, and so it gives opportunities to Suggs. He taught him how to be tough, how to be relentless, how to win, how to to prepare. Um, The others getting votes on here Dick Buckkiss, obviously great old timer. Great old timer. I, I love him in in uh, what's that? Gail Sayers, Brian Pickle, Brian song. Yeah, uh, he's yeah, he's funny he does there. a nice job there. Mike Singletary, Jack Lambert. So, dude, yeah. Mike Singletary, he was what? A, do you remember? I don't know if you remember when he coached the 49ers for like a year. The dude is is he's out there a little bit in some of the things he would say and and uh, he would have these great post game uh, rants that he would go on. <laughs> he's he's funny. He was a great player though. Great player. Yeah. Um, so, again, linebacker, easy. Ray yeah, Lewis. No-brainer there. Cornerback. Cornerback. This one's obvious. Oh, it's it's Jalen Ramsey and, Z- and Xavier Howard, and they both play for the Dolphins, no question. They're going to be all-time goats when they retire. But um, until they get there, yes, I'm, I'm only kidding, fans. Don't uh, – followers, listeners, don't, don't hate me for that. I'm, I'm kidding. Deion Sanders, no question, greatest cornerback of all time in my opinion. Leo, what are your thoughts? I mean, another guy who absolutely changed the game of football in the same way that a Lawrence Taylor did. Because before that, you had good cornerbacks. They were good cornerbacks. Cool. You know, sometimes they would make a play, knock a pass away, get a pick here and there. But before Dion, no one had changed the whole outcome of a game except Lawrence Taylor when it came to defense. When Dion came to the scene, in the late 80s and 90s, first he starts off and he's returning kickoffs and punt returns for touchdown, touchdowns, and he's so quick and he's so explosive and he's so elusive and he can accelerate unlike anybody. So he already had that ability, but then you put him at cornerback and not only is he going to lock down that side of the defense for any throws, he's going to go against your top receiver and shut him down. Yeah. And then... He's going to he's literally going to give enough space to make the quarterback think, "Oh, I've got a little out or I've got a little in or I've got this," and he'll just basically give the space up because he knows he's so fast and so quick and can has the torque to accelerate. He'll accelerate after giving the space, pick the ball off, and then he's down the sideline, and then he's high-stepping and he just he was just so much fun to watch. I yeah. mean, he's high-stepping and he's doing these dances in the end zone, but he could do those dances because nobody scored more touchdowns from picks at the time than Dion did, and he absolutely revolutionized the way cornerback was played. And the term shutdown quarterback cornerback started with Dion, and that changed everything. Yeah, and I that's what I'm saying. I, I really don't see anyone in the league currently. There's some really good corners, of course, but I don't see anyone taking that spot. I think, in my opinion, Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson, they definitely got votes. In my opinion, the next yeah. one closest uh to being that shut down corner that you just avoided at all costs was Darrell Revis. He is Agreed. on the list here. He got Revis a few Island. votes, but yeah. uh no, no one's no one's taking that spot. Safety, we'll kind of go through this one quickly quickly here. It's another one you're probably gonna agree with this I mean, one. You're a great safety in your um, own, own right there, Ty. So I'm yeah. curious what you think here. Ronnie Lott, 
Uh, again, I was a little younger. I, I've gone back and watched highlight films. I did that in high school because I played safety. I loved safety. So I saw a lot of Ronnie Lott. But, uh, um, and what I've read and listened to in books, he was just the greatest of all time. There's no question. For me personally, having watched both of these guys, um, and then there's one left off this list that I, I feel like could honestly take over that spot. So Ed Reed, Brian Dawkins, fantastic, greatest at what they did. Um, Troy Polamalu is one that I'm actually pretty shocked didn't get more votes because the way he just took over games, he was like a middle linebacker for the defense as a safety, and in my opinion is at least one or two in the greatest safeties of all time. But uh, what's your thought on that? You know, Ronnie Lott has this great story where he's in the middle of a playoff game and he hurts his pinky really bad. And he's like, I got to get back in there. Like, the only way you're getting in there is if we can cut the fin- half of the finger off your pinky and then solder it so it stops bleeding or you're not going back in there. So he literally cuts off half of his pinky, <sighs> cauterizes it with a f- some flame, goes back into the game, tapes it up, and then, of course, they win a Super Bowl a couple games uh, later. So in terms of toughness and the ability to just come and crash the run, yeah, I feel like uh, Ronnie Lott's on another level. But this is before teams threw the ball as much and your need to be able to really gain ground either way and really dominate in the passing game. I feel like that wasn't as required clearly in the 80s as it was. And it would have been if he'd been going against the 49ers, his team, but he didn't. He played for the 49ers. And so a lot of the teams he's playing were very balanced in terms of running and throwing the ball. And so... For me, I love Ed Reed. I mean, a guy who could just make so many plays. And really, if you're a safety, it's your ability to get across the field quickly, right? And your ability to diagnose where the play is going. And so for me, when I think of the best safety of all time, I go with the head and shoulders man himself, Toy Polamalu, because that guy could make every play in the passing game, pick it, go score, and then, and then when it's crunch time, he could literally jump over the offensive line and be in the backfield to make a sack, to block a kick, and just an incredible leader, a guy who is a two-time Super Bowl yeah. champion. Um, for me, I definitely go Troy Polamal. I just feel like he, again, revolutionized the way safety was played. And you just always saw, well, there's the hair. Yeah. There's the hair. He's about ready to make some incredible play, and he almost always did. Yep. Yeah, and there are some really good young safeties in the league right now. This this opinion may be different in five years. That uh, gosh, I always do this. It's time to drop a name, and it loses. I I lose my mind. But it's the uh, the the Chargers safety, that big, long, um, fast. Yeah, I, I can't think of his name, but he could be one in the mix when it's all said and done. But uh, the, there's some the other guy. The Forty ers had this guy for a minute, Merton Hanks. He had a big long neck, and he would wear a turtleneck. And but he was he could make a lot of plays. He was fun to watch. But I won't I won't put him in the top. Maybe yeah. the, maybe the top five. The other guy that I think a little bit about who I mean he he might be top ten or fifteen or twenty. But a guy that I enjoyed watching was Eric Weddle. Oh yeah, played at the University of Utah, and maybe the best uh, Super Bowl winning story ever when the Rams won that Super Bowl. <laughs> the dudes coaching his son in like 12-year-old uh, peewee football, and 
this the playoffs are beginning and yep. the, the Rams are just injured everywhere at safety and they don't have someone who knows the system and so they give Eric Weddle a call hey bro you still in shape he's like yeah I'm in, I'm in shape can you come play safety for our Super Bowl run so he he uh you know finishes coaching up his kids uh football league and he goes and jumps on the team for the playoffs has a playoff run and and that dude's an amazing leader yeah. too yeah. Did you see before the Super Bowl started when he was sitting there talking with um, Sean McVay? No, not Sean McVay, the the receiver dude. Uh, um, oh, Odell. Oh, yeah. He's talking to Odell Beckham right before the Super Bowl, and he's just inspiring him. That first half before uh, Beckham gets hurt, he had an amazing yeah. play. I mean, that guy was a leader and another guy who just maybe not the biggest, strongest, fastest guy on the field, but just knew where the ball was yes. going. His football instinct and IQ was insane and as long as we're giving shout outs to local products danny Sorensen, you're my favorite hey danny that dude (laughs) that dude again a guy who made plays and was part of a championship team so all right we can't we can't uh finish this up without our kickers and this is one that will be replaced by an active kicker in the league today um on the list right now greatest kicker of all time goes to adam vinatieri oh yeah um, others making this list. Let's see, who did they put? The Patriots don't win two or three of those first Super Bowls without Vinatieri. Yes. I, I Especially I that first one. If that goes into overtime, the Rams have all the momentum. They're going to beat the Patriots. But Tom gets them down the field, and it's a 45-yarder. But even bigger than that is the tuck rule game against yeah. – against What's Oakland <laughs> and he hits it's like a like it was a 45 yarder in the nasty snow yeah I have no idea no I don't think anyone knows how he made that yeah I no he don't get me wrong he's he's right there it's it's a one and two race for me but so wait it, who's who's going to take his spot it's Justin Tucker he is he is the greatest kicker of all time his his like consistent field goals made streak his reliability the longest field goal he's ever made I, he's he's done things that Vinatieri hasn't obviously he hasn't been in the position to have these clutch kicks so who knows the Ravens got their quarterback lock, locked up maybe yeah. they'll they'll give him a chance to get some of those uh, special clutch kicks but I think pure talent wise Justin Tucker is the greatest kicker you, you know what I would kind of uh, liken it to I'd liken it to comparing like a Dan Marino versus a Joe Montana yeah Joe Montana had a much better team much better uh, surrounding talent and coaching, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so he got the four Super Bowls, but who had all the numbers and was, you know, just such a dynamic quarterback was Dan Marino. And it's kind of like that with Tucker. Like this, this guy can make 65 yard kicks, he can do anything. But then you got Adam Vinatieri, who was just clutch. Maybe isn't going to make that, he's not making the 60, 65 yard kick, but he is going to make that 45 yarder in the snow. Yeah, to I win mean, a playoff. This game. is what was crazy for me. I, here, it is right here. 58 straight field goals that Justin Tucker made, including a 66 yarder. The one that he finally missed was like a 67, 68 yarder, if I'm remembering correctly. But in correctly. the fourth quarter, okay. Yeah. I see you. Yeah, it's that's in the fourth quarter. Yes, and overtime when it actually counts, including a record sixty-six yarder. So yeah, he's I it, yeah. And he actually is yeah, on this list, but it was twenty-two votes Vinatieri, twenty-one yeah. Tucker. So okay, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, Returner, no question. We'll we'll go through this one very quickly. It's it's Devin Hester. Everyone that's watched football in the last fifteen twenty years knows it's it's Devin Hester. He was absolutely insane. Another guy who changed, who could change the outcome of a game just based off of special teams kick returns, yep. punt returns. 
So that wraps it up. I, I think a lot more on the defensive side, we're going with old timers keeping those spots staying put than we did on the offensive side. But uh, maybe that's because the game's changed. It's because the athletes are so good and the teams are so smart and, and there's just so much more put into it. But these guys really revolutionized the game. And so it'll be interesting to see if someone can come in and change the outcomes of games like they did. And it's, it, it is getting more and more difficult, I feel like, because the level of talent just keeps rising and the level of ability and all the film study. And these kids come so well prepared. From yeah. the, I mean, they've been working on this since they were five, you know. Yeah. Oh, and I did have to, I have to admit, Leo, I went back, I fact-checked myself, I looked at more stats. Jerry Rice is untouchable. I'm going oh, back on what I well, said. Yeah, the stats are just, I mean, how are you scoring – 200 touchdowns in a 20-year career as a receiver like how that's just yeah. ridiculous so so all right well that, that was fun uh i don't think we've really disagreed on anything this time either so no that's too bad we'll, we'll see if we can find something to disagree but sometimes great minds just think alike guys so <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode give it a thumbs up if you uh, found value in it, subscribe. And if you want to build the community up, that's how how we uh, get this going. We're we're not doing a bunch of ads for anything. We're pretty much just telling you how we can help you and and what uh, really moves the needle as a business owner and an entrepreneur. And of course, football and sports are combined. They are part of the success journey. If you want to become a great leader, so there's a lot to learn. That's why we talk about that. Go figure. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure podcast.